comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audiblechild.com slash outnowpodcast. Over 150,000 titles to choose from for your Android, iPhone, Kindle, or MP3 player. This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we're talking The Giver. I have to give back to the kids. Is that the right movie? I think so. Stand and deliver? I believe so. All right. Wait a minute. I forgot my introduction. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, konnichiwa! Out Now is a film podcast with Abe and I discussing new movies weekly. We cover some various movie topics, dive into a mostly spoiler-free review, and then jump back into other movie topics, including games and other fun stuff like that. This is episode 162, 162. I mean, I guess we're getting closer to 185. Very true. Definitely, yes. definitely not false, that's for sure. No. No. 185. Yeah. That's that's one of, that's like my it's in my top 199 favorite numbers. <laughs> Just say. I bet I can guess the rest. Uh, you'd be surprised because there's a lot of six digit numbers in there. Um, <laughs> this is this is episode 162, and we're talking this week about The Giver, the adaptation of the Lois Lowry book from the like early 90s, right? I think it's a yeah. I forget when it was. 91. Written, but, uh, Sorry, I'm not supposed to talk yet. No, no. Feel- no, you can talk. We just we just can't identify who you are until okay. ten seconds after I finish this sentence. Uh, but yeah, we're talking about the Giver. It stars Jeff Bridges and Meryl Streep. I'm really just trying to fill for that ten seconds because I said that. <laughs> um, and joining us tonight, we have from Battleship Pretension, riding in on his monochromatic bicycle. It's David Bax. <laughs> uh, thank you to, for having me. Um, I do have a monochromatic bicycle. It's yellow. <laughs> Does it have a, a banana seat? Uh, no. Ah, uh, well, it doesn't. Can't 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 wait all. Yeah. Uh, by the way, my goal of those intros is to basically just like rattle the guests so they like have to so they can't contain themselves, and I feel like I've accomplished that this week. Not every week makes it there, <laughs> but I feel like I got it. <laughs> I generally get it with Mark Hoban. He generally takes like a, a a bit like hesitation before he's like, oh, that was pretty good. Then he like says something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway. Well, <laughs> so, yeah. Thanks for thanks for having me. I'm glad to sure. be here. Glad to, glad to have you back. We uh, we had you on for the World's End last year, and then we had Tyler on for a couple movies, also from Battleship Retention. So of course we want to eat. We want to make sure to keep it even on this podcast. So we figured. Yeah, we can't, oh, thank we can't you. pick sides. Yeah, exactly. Like I, I try to make. Thank it. you. There are there are definitely some podcasts that don't take that consideration, and it it, it causes uh, friction. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I wouldn't want to upset imagine. the balance of Battleship Retention. So I yeah. figured, why, <laughs> let's 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 keep it all. Let's keep it together. Kit. Keep it together, keep it together, and uh, make it work. So, <laughs> trademark. That's that's from both things. You can't trademark it. Uh, <laughs> uh, and make it work is from Project Runway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have a few. <laughs> before we before we continue not talking about movies, I have some announcements. <laughs> um, hey. Um, uh, first up, uh, thanks to Shalem. Um, once we have a new profile pic on our Facebook page, facebookcom podcast. Uh, he, uh, after Abe and I, you know, met up last week in San Francisco to record an episode, we, you know, we took a picture together because we only get to see each other so often. And we've been like, Shalem, 
he went out of his way and he drew a nice like kind of artistic rendition of that picture and now it's our profile pic. We're very you know very happy it about was, it. It's yeah, a, it was really nice. So thank you for that, Jalen. Yeah, it's a I I like I like his pics. I like what he does. And you yeah. can uh, you can I can even hold on. Let me I can tell you where to I can tell you where to follow him because he is you know a, he, he is an artist and he does lots of good work. Uh, you can follow Shalem on Instagram at Shalem underscore Ben Sivenga B E N C I V E N G A. Uh, he has lots of his artistic work there. Um, very cool stuff. He actually has, has a lot of videos, too, of him like actually drawing some of these things, too. So I'll uh, try to put that in the show notes as well. Um, other things, speaking of last week's episode, actually, uh, where we, Abe and I were live in a movie theater with friend of the show, Mark Hoban, to talk about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, I want to slightly apologize for the quality of the audio last week. What happened... What happened is basically Abe's microphone is better than I assumed it was, and because I tend to annu- enunciate and be very outspoken and loud, I was getting too close to the microphone, so right. it just sounded too good. That was the problem. It, was, it, it did, yeah. Mark and I were a little bit farther away. Everyone was quite close to the microphone. I was close, Again. and I, you know, I speak up. I, yeah. I like to present so, myself. So we had the note. Don't worry. We had the note in the Facebook post like, hey, you know, by the way, the audio sounds a little bit, you know, off this week. It's probably because we're live, but yeah, you know. We we tend to try to have really good the sound of like employees and whatnot, like like dumping out 3D glasses and bins next to us and what have you. (laughs) There was also the I'm talking very loud to make sure you hear me, but this is actually too loud because Abe's microphone's way better than I thought it was. uh, So give me the I didn't listen to this episode. I'm sorry because I didn't care to see the movie, but um, we did the work. Tell me about this uh, this this uh, on location recording. What theater were you at? We are up at the Metreon Theater up in San Francisco. Um, oh. We uh, we we all the three of us and Mark's friend Ruben. We Ruben. all saw um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in the theater, and then afterwards, because it's a three story theater, we decided to we wanted to record somewhere. We needed a place that was going to be you know quiet but like workable. So we decided to go up the escalator to the third floor, which is basically the exit floor for the IMAX theater, as well as like a place for the staff to kind of come and go to do stuff. Um, and we recorded up there. So we put the we put the laptop on just a kind of the the bar area over there, and I, we all kind of stood around it and recorded a whole episode. Yeah. yeah, and they they didn't try to stop you. No, they, they came walking. around to see what we were doing, but we weren't doing it. We weren't. Yeah, we were literally just in front of a, a yeah. in front of a laptop talking. Like there was, there yeah. was no reason to. There was no one like that. That theater was currently empty. Um, so like there's just no like and there's at the top of that theater anyway. And the doors are closed, so it didn't really matter. So yeah, it was just a fun way to record an episode. That was the that was the idea. Good for them. <laughs> Every, letting you go every, on in peace. Everybody, yeah, really. We were very curious of that because they kept kind of walking over. It's like, it was like, oh, yeah, no, they're not doing anything. It's like, no. But anyway, that was a fun episode. But yeah, um, the audio did have you know some rough spots in it. So apologies, but we did have a lot of fun doing it. Hopefully, we can do more like that in the future. Um, ideally, with you know better audio quality. But we'll see. What else coming soon? It either soon, no, not the theater, but to iPod to iTunes near you. Um, either. Probably after this, after this one comes. As a, no, maybe I might even put it up tonight. Uh, we're gonna do a, a bonus episode for Step Up All In. Oh, yeah. uh, myself and friends of the show, Brandon Peters and Scott Mendelson, we have a weird connection to the Step Up franchise, and because Step Up All In happens to be maybe the best of the series, uh, much like I predicted it would be, because it feels like the Fast Five of the Step Up series, <laughs> uh, we decided because it's bombing currently and it deserves to be seen, we want to do a whole mini episode on uh, on that film. So uh, that that's either out now or it will be out soon. And so stay tuned for that. That should, that, that should be fun. And the other thing, not to get into that other the, the, the other spots of the week, um, people passed away this week, guys. 
they did. You all it know. Was a, it was a shocking week. Yeah. Um, first up, we had Robin Williams. Um, <laughs> it's like I have to intro them like you don't know who he is. Yeah, we had Robin Williams, <laughs> and then um, the next day, uh, Lauren Bacall, the gold, golden age screen legend, Lauren Bacall passed away. So, you know, it's a... These things happen. We try to address them on the podcast when we can, just because we have respect for you know filmmakers in general, but you know certainly actors with the kind of stature that they did. And um, so I'd throw that out there. Abe, do you have any uh, thoughts on uh, Robin Williams or Lauren Bacall? Yeah, I mean, I certainly had a lot of thoughts on Robin Williams, and it kind of hit me a little bit later because um, you know I guess you do go through that shock primarily because. You see a lot of internet hoaxes these days. You know, people uh, write that somebody has died or something like that. And at first, I thought this was a hoax. Um, unfortunately, it wasn't. And the circumstances of the death were just, you know, they were terrible in general. And uh, I'm, I'm very uh, saddened to, to read about it. But it certainly was one of the situations where um, this is probably one of the first, I guess, passings, celebrity Hollywood passings that have happened and in which, you know, I grew up with this character, Robin Williams, or this actor, Robin Williams, um, in movies that, you know, have been around <laughs> since I was born. And it was, a, it was a strange time just to kind of go through and realize that, yeah, he's been around in a lot of things, and I didn't expect this to happen. So, again, I was shocked, but um, I'm, I'm, I'm sad to hear about it, and I hope that uh, his family's doing well. David, any thoughts on either? Yeah, I mean, th- that's the thing with, yeah, of course, I mean, sure, I mean, Lauren Bacall's obviously a, uh, you know, a, 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 a legend. Um, but I, I mean, not to be callous about it, but it's a bit mm-hmm. less jarring when yeah, someone it's a lives mix, to be. It's a cranky, mix of, yeah, you know. she certainly she lived a long, a long and very successful life. And you know, if anything, she's yeah. back with Bogart now. She's back with her husband. She's back with Bogie. Right. <laughs> um, if you you know believe in that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, obviously, Robin Williams is a big shock because um, of you know how it happened, of course, and. And uh, also, I think um, he's one. There's something incredibly rare about his uh, legacy in that everyone loves at least one or two Robin Williams movies, no matter what their age or or background. He really could. He did seem to have this uh, universal humanity to him. Um, and I talked about this on on Battleship Retention about the idea that uh, Robin Williams was someone that all of my family, you know, I come from a family of, you know, th- I have three siblings, so th- there were six of us, you know, my parents and the three siblings and me, and we all seem to be able to, in an unspoken way, agree that we loved Robin Williams and, like, I can sort of, I have all these milestones throughout my childhood and into my adulthood of, um watching Robin Williams movies with my family, you know, starting with seeing, uh, I mean, probably the earliest I remember is seeing Aladdin in the theater with my family. And I saw Jumanji in the theater with my family. And as I got older, I saw, you know, I watched dead poet society with my parents when they decided that I was old enough, even though it's rated PG or whatever. My parents had, uh, you know, some, too, <laughs> too many adult themes of that one, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I mean, I, I, Coincidentally, one of them was the fact that there's a suicide in the movie. It's something my parents, I think, wanted to shelter me from. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, um, you know, uh, later on, getting into his more R-rated movies, my, I watched Goodwill Hunting with my family. And then uh, I won't go into this as much as I did in my podcast because I don't want to get uh, teary-eyed again. But The Birdcage is a favorite in uh, my family. It was something we could always, like, get together. You know, my mom 
one of the like maybe eight DVDs that she owns is the Birdcage, and it's something that we could always watch together and always have a great time. And I watched it again this week after he after he uh, passed on, and it's uh, it's still the Birdcage is probably for various reasons having to do with his performance in the film and the script, but also my history with the Birdcage is probably my favorite Robin Williams movie. Yeah, he had an impact on, on on myself as well as you know pretty much everybody that he was he was associated with just because he was such a talented performer both in the comedy world and the acting world and the regardless of the style of acting he was doing whether it be a dramatic performance or a comedic role he was just very talented and very a very entertaining person to watch and I even yeah I, I went through the my favorite Robin Williams films I just watched him this week um, and I tend to lean towards Good, Norm- Good Morning Vietnam and Google Hunting and um, mm-hmm. World's Greatest Dad um, I really like yeah. a lot. Which also has some very coincidental aspects to it, which are unfortunate. But um, and it's weird because I think I think we even recently we we recently talked about Robin Williams and um, the the movies that I that I'm not a fan of, and they all kind of happen to star Robin Williams that are from what is technically my childhood that other people seem to like a lot more than I do, and it's. It's like that kind of thing. It doesn't matter just because I do like I like have such respect for Robin Williams in general. But it's you know yeah. <laughs> You have, you know, that it's another another actor that you know you really are fond of that just unfortunately is no longer with us, and you know, just fo- yeah, the idea is to focus on the good and move on from there. So, mm. yeah, that's uh, that's that. So, now to awkwardly segue into the next thing, let's um, <laughs> move on from there. Let's get to know everybody. Retweet Gabe and I both have a question that we ask everybody else on the panel, and better get to know no, everybody. Buddy. Nailed it. <laughs> and. Um, Going, moving, moving themes over to the giver this week. I have a question. I'm going to start this one off for you guys. It is, what is the assigned dress code of your utopian society? Oh man, Eddie Murphy raw suits. <laughs> <laughs> Eddie Murphy raw suits. <laughs> that's the first thing. That, that's like, oh, that's my, that's my favorite answer you've given to one of my questions in such a long time. <laughs> Eddie Murphy raw suits. Um. Well, I mean, you open a can of worms here because I can be incredibly particular mm-hmm. about uh, about clothing. But if we're assuming, right, that like in The Giver, we're living in a place where the climate has been controlled now and there are no longer extremes of heat or cold, I'm just going to take that as red because otherwise we're going to have to have all sorts of different options, you know, for different weather. Uh, if we're taking that into consideration, I'm going to say... The um, uh, everyone has to wear a red and white striped seersucker suit and a straw hat. <laughs> do they have like a cane to go with this too, so they can do probably prop yeah, two everyone dance has numbers? to chew on a really long piece of straw. Because the only thing I'm picturing right now is like is a uh, Dick Van Dyke and Mary Poppins when they're like inside the <laughs> like super yeah yeah or, no, yeah yeah in uh, corn cob pipes. Corn cob, oh, corn cob pipes. Okay, so it has a southern tint to it as well. Oh very oh very much yeah. God. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and you have to you have to grow the uh, Colonel Sanders mustache if you're a man. <laughs> you have. Are these suits? Are these seersucker suits? Or yeah, these are seersucker suits. Okay. <laughs> Definitely. What if you have trouble growing facial hair? Like a like. It's a utopian face. society, Abe. There's oh, no okay. troubles anywhere. Phew. <laughs> Phew. Glad. What if you had troubles? That's that's on the list of things that can't happen. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> yeah, this was a great question. I thought because <laughs> I love these answers so much. <laughs> All right. Uh, my question to you guys is, or the the audience is, you're in this utopian society. You have freedom of you know thought and choice, but you get selected into these groups when you're you know 18 years old. Which group would you hate to be in, 
And which group would you want to be in? What, like, are there options for these groups? No, you can just yeah. decide. You can decide. So, like, I'd hate to be the groundskeeper. Like, I saw that in The Giver, and I was like, man, would that be a fulfilling life? I feel like when he got that job, though, he was like, fuck, sorry, I was going to swear. <laughs> 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 when he got that job, I feel like he was probably like, yes, this is what it's been leading up to. I'm so happy. Give me yeah. the rake. Give me the broom. Give me it all. Time to go boom. Like, he started rhyming for some reason. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Is there a job of, like, uh, archivist? Can I be an archivist? There you go. Yeah, absolutely. Historian or archivist? I think more what, what more archivist slash librarian is more, okay. uh, yeah. I feel like Giles on Buffy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, is there a job that is just Giles? Just, just yeah, the Giles. Just Ripper Giles. <laughs> Ripper, Ripper, Ripper Giles. The Ripper. Yeah, yeah, you'd be that good. I mean, it, pretty much all the menial labor tasks, I would say, are the ones that I wouldn't want to... The ones that you'd avoid? Yeah. Or you know, even, like, um, like one of these, like, panel members that, like, has to, like, sit there and agree with everything. I feel like that'd get pretty boring pretty quick, so I'd probably say no to those things, too. I'd, I'd, I'd probably be more willing to do the labor stuff, just be like, all right, do the... Yeah, do that. Well, let's get some sun, you know, some air. Yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> so you you don't want to be a like one of the elders on the no, council. No, yeah, no, I wouldn't want to be an elder. Seems like a elders got a rough spot. They either have to go along with the rest of the crowd or like blindly yeah. submit. The, like it's just yeah, that's not that's not my speed. Hey, I want to be an elder only if I get to be specifically Cornell West in the Matrix sequels. <laughs> you see, I was thinking if I could be Anthony Zerb in the Matrix sequels. Like he seemed like he had a good head on his shoulders. He's like he doesn't sleep because like I slept long enough. I'm just chilling down here in the you know the yeah. machine thing and not knowing how things work. <laughs> so hmm. I'll just talk to Neo instead of consult the guy that knows how this thing works and you know kind of fuel my fuel my information there. <laughs> or I could probably be inserted in the Matrix and just learn it right there. But you know whatever. Right. Do you think people that are, like, live in Zion, this is a big question, people that live in Zion but have been, like, tapped into the Matrix, have, like, downloaded all this info, do you think they're, like, super smart, just, like, hanging out and talking about these things they learned of each other? Like, hey, guys, no, all that kung fu. only a few select, I think. Like, only yeah, those are like, just, like, you know, I'm going to go to the coffee shop and just plug in. Yeah, like, it's, uh, like, if, like, this summer, the World Cup happens, and I'd be like, oh, my, like, now I would, like, get on Wikipedia if I was, like, Oh, interested in the World Cup. Whereas if I lived in Matrix times, I could just learn everything you ever would want to know about the history of the World Cup and be an expert uh, right then. It's their Wikipedia, is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Or do you think they go down the the like the the rabbit hole? Like, like people talk about getting lost and like following uh, following links and getting lost in Wikipedia. Do you think in that they just like jack into one thing after another and after, before you know it they're the smartest person in the world but they haven't eaten in a week and a half? <laughs> That's what it seems like, right? Like Neo when he first jacked in, he was like there for like eight hours straight learning just martial arts moves. Like it seems like yeah. he was he was just like into it. Like he needed all that info. What would be yeah. really annoying is if like you're just plugging in one day and all of a sudden it's like, oh hey, by the way, we'd love a donation until you can you can't really read this article until you donate. It's like <laughs> Oh man, the Matrix sucks. Maybe it'd be like a like a if it was. I guess it's not. It's more dystopian than utopian. Then I guess in the Matrix, but it'd be like one of those mech drivers. They seem to you know have fun like walking around in mechs, in Zion. But then you're in Zion, so it's like all you're eating. Zion, all you're eating is uh, runny eggs and not that much fun. <laughs> right. Can I we like just, runny eggs. Can we just continue this know everybody conversation forever? <laughs> um. Well, Abe, you did open it up to the listeners, so do you have a live call-in section? Apparently, or I do. <laughs> beep, boop, 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 boop. Hurry, um, I just want to answer the Okay, we can finish that one. <laughs> I'll take my answer off the air. All right, I think we've sufficiently gotten to... 
know, know everybody. everybody. So let's uh, let's move on. <laughs> Nailed that one too <laughs> this week. Oh man, time to talk about more movies. Let's do a little on our cookies. Yep. Each week on out now we have a main movie of the week, but we always have other movies that we see during the week that we have. So we're gonna talk about cookies. Yep. Okay. <clears throat> Abe, have you seen any other movies this week? Pass. P- pass. <laughs> You know what? We don't we don't clarify this enough for like new listeners, but it's because it always generally seems like Abe doesn't see anything else. What's happening? You're very busy every week, right, Abe? I am quite busy every week, primarily because of uh, I do work at a startup, so it's 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 quite busy, primarily because of you know changes in the atmosphere all the time. Okay, so yeah, that's <laughs> just to clarify why Abe doesn't generally uh, always. I'm sorry. That he's seen. You work at a startup or at a Starbucks? I do. No, a startup. The latter. Okay, not not a Starbucks. Not a coffee no. shop, no. No, yeah, not that, not a coffee. So that's that's probably pretty busy too. No, quite busy, I'm sure. Sure, yeah, I'm sure that it's very physically demanding. I'm sure. I salute I salute any of the baristas that listen to this podcast. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for accepting that. <laughs> That's how you no, do I'm also I'm also saying thank you to all the priests that listen to our okay, podcast. Moving on, David, have you seen any other movies this week? Um, uh, yeah, a couple things. Um, I'm I've undertaken a, a long-term project. I'm not putting any sort of uh, expediency on me uh, on this at all. But I have for years been talking about how I am not a big fan of James Bond movies. But yeah. it also occurred to me that I've actually seen very few of them. So maybe I should put my money where my mouth is and um, learn to and, and expose myself to more James Bond movies. So I did watch Goldfinger this week, which is considered one of the best, and I didn't really like it. So I guess I'm. <laughs> I guess I. But you know, I a few weeks ago I watched From Russia with Love, and I actually really liked uh, that. I would say From Russia with Love is not my favorite James Bond movie. Uh, for what you know, which is not a very high bar because I'm not a fan, but uh, I watched Goldfinger and I didn't like it. Um, uh, I are you didn't going like, in, are you I, going in order? Like, <clears throat> what's that? Are you going in order or just kind of yeah, chronological order? Okay. Yes. And I had seen Doctor No, so I, I watched From Rush with Love a few weeks ago. I watched Goldfinger this week, and I started Thunderball, but I got kind of uh, uh, interrupted about an hour in, so I haven't finished Thunderball. But uh, the other thing I've been doing that I do usually in the summer when there are fewer things on TV and fewer movies that I care about because I'm a snob um, is yeah. I, <laughs> I I go back to like recent years. I go to like the screeners that I have from recent years and try to catch up on some stuff that I, that I missed. And I watched a couple things. I watched uh, a documentary called don't stop believing, uh, which is about uh, Arnel Pineda, the uh, Filipino guy who oh, became yeah. the new singer in journey. Which is a fascinating story. It's a decent documentary. Um, it's a little uh, on the like fan service side. It's for Journey fans, but it's uh, Arnold Pineda is a really interesting guy. And then I watched an amazing Italian movie called Reality from uh, Matteo Garone, I think is his name, the guy who made Gamora. Ah, okay. Um, I don't know if you the if you saw Reality, but it's uh, I, I know Gamora. But, I'm a big fan of Gamora. Um, so reality is about a guy who becomes obsessed with trying to get onto Big Brother and kind of ruins his life and goes insane. Um, and it's kind of like it's uh, the performances. The lead actor, by the way, is also serving a life, currently serving a life prison for murder, I think. Hmm. Um, and I guess the Italian prison system works different because he would like get day passes and spend the day making a movie and then go back to prison at night, which I don't think is something you can do here. No. Um, 
<laughs> but uh, that's so that's fascinating on its own. The movie itself is this harrowing picture of insanity, um, and but also it's really funny. Like there's a part where there's a cricket loose in this guy's house, and he becomes. This is never outright stated, but you realize that he thinks the cricket is like some sort of device sent by the Big Brother people with a camera that's watching him. And so there's just these like long shots of him staring at this cricket and like half smiling because he thinks he's on camera. Uh, the, it's it's a crazy movie that it's so good. Uh, that's sounds so, good. yeah. Reality is like it the sounds, best thing. Yeah, it sounds crazy. Yeah. I see it now on that. I'm adding it to my queue here. So that's what I watched. Great. All right. I've seen because I'm trying to try to do one, but I, there's two like two other movies came out this week, and one of them we were possibly going to talk about, but we decided on The Giver. So I'll talk about that one. We'll talk about The Expendables 3. This is, of course, the third entry in the Expendables franchise, which <laughs> has uh, not exactly excited me since seeing the first Expendables, but here we are. We have another one, and it's not very good. Oh. Um, <laughs> It, it continues to have all the ingredients you need to make a classic 80s action movie, except that you can't really make a classic 80s action movie now and attempt to, you know, easily capture whatever you consider the magic that made those movies at least watchable. Um, the Expendables 3 is not unwatchable. It's maybe the most fun of the three movies to an extent, but the main problem is the action. Uh, if you want to go see a movie that features all these action stars, you figured, hey, I hope that has great action in it, and it doesn't. Um, the director, Patrick Hughes, who did the um, did the Australian film Red Hill, which I am actually a big fan of, um, whether it's because he was catering to the PG-13 crowd or just because he was out of his depth on how to put this kind of movie together, it just feels like a really rushed editing job to put all this together but not really give you much scope or satisfaction in what's being communicated in these action sequences like there's like the giant like the finale is like this 25 minute action finale that in you know concept is cool but watching it's just like this mess of like people running all over the place in a building that's like maybe blowing up soon and there's bombs everywhere and tanks are shooting at it and there's cg explosions and mma moves because all these mma fighters or all these young kids are there <laughs> doing mma and it's like all right, there's a jumble of things happening. I sometimes understand what that is, but overall it's not all that impressive, especially in a year where we have The Raid 2, among other action movies that have been quite impressive, given you know the talents of the direction right. involved or the editors or just the freedom to do what they want as opposed to make a movie that can hopefully be rated PG-13. So question. Uh, yeah. Is there a character that you wish you had seen more of on the screen because they were basically like stealing the show or you know they, they just did a really good job? Not necessarily more of, but I will say Antonio Banderas is easily the highlight of the entire film. Um, there's, <laughs> okay. there's plenty of him in it, so like it's not like I needed more. It's probably the right amount, actually, because there would probably be too much of him if there was more in it. But he plays this kind of fast-talking um, Spanish, former Spanish military mercenary guy and like he's just hilarious like he's hilarious and he's also most he's also the saddest character in the movie based on why he is the character he is which is kind of fascinating but again it's in a movie where it's just not yeah this based on kind of the circumstances that got him to where he is and a mix of the the kind of the semblance of commentary stallone's trying to make in terms of seeing aging action stars being thrown out and new action stars being brought in like there's there's some ideas there, but they're just not cashed in on, and because the action isn't good, it's just kind of a double loss. So, The Expendables mm-hmm. Three is bombing in theaters currently, so you can go see that if you want to. 
Um, <laughs> Thanks. It is. <laughs> it's, it's made. Yeah, no. I, it, I believe it made um, almost less than half what the second Expendables made uh, to a couple years ago when that came out. So clearly, you know, yeah. Lionsgate or whatever is just going to blame that on the fact that the movie on the piracy it, thing, so. yeah. Yeah. Which is like, yeah, good, good, go for that, go for that angle, see if that works for you. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's on that quickies. Yeah. Let's move on now. Let's get to our movie trailer talk, where each week we talk about a new trailer that's recently arrived and what we thought of it, when it's coming out, and what have you. And this week we have the trailer for Unbroken. This is, of course, the adaptation of um, the uh, the memoir, I believe, right? Uh, I don't. I think it's a biography. It's a biography, not a memoir. The biography. Um, by uh, Laura Hillenbrand about what's the guy's name? That's uh, um, Zamperini. Zamper, I was like Z something. Louis Zamperini, um, who went through some crazy stuff in his life, and there's a big whole book written about it. And now that book's been ad- ad- adapted by the Cohen brothers, no less. They had a hand in the screenplay, among others. Um, and the film was directed by um, Angelina Jolie, and it features a. I wouldn't say it's a giant, huge name cast, but. Um, you have Jai Courtney, who has ruined many movies recently. Uh, you have Domino Gleason, who is in About Time. <laughs> and you have Garrett Hedlund, who makes no impression in Tron Legacy, among other people, including a new, newish guy, Jack O'Connell, who plays Zamperini, the you know title character. Or not even, he's not even in the title. <laughs> he was unbroken, though. With all that in mind. His, his name is Unbroken? His name is, yeah, his name is Lewis like Unbroken. Like Jaws? Jaws yeah. the Shark? Jaws, yeah, that's what they called it. Remember when Robert Shaw was like, there's Jaws. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, it's a biopic. It's a it's a World War II drama with all that in mind. Uh, David, what do you think of the trailer for Unbroken? Well, I made the mistake of watching it 48 hours ago, and I've forgotten almost everything about it because that's the kind of trailer it is. Person, I don't know. That's I, I didn't know the Coen Brothers had a hand in the screenplay, and that gives me some hope. But um, I thought it was a very by the numbers trailer i don't want to judge a movie by its trailer so i don't know if the movie is that sort of that sort of thing just uh but but it, it, the the trailer itself was did not do anything to excite me for the movie at all abe i'm curious about it primarily because uh it's a uh, it's a biography and I, I enjoy reading many a biography um but I'm I'm curious to see what the I guess the experience in the Japanese POW camp would be, and I guess I, I'm curious to see how Angelina Jolie will have a I, I guess what her her visionary style is gonna include. So um, coming out Christmas Day, that's it's uh, a pretty big that's a pretty big move or that's a pretty big uh, date to have a movie come out. So I I guess that they're putting a lot of eggs in this basket, and if they are and they have confidence in it, then great. Otherwise. Uh, I hope it's just, I mean, Aaron and I weren't huge on Les Mis, and that also came out Christmas Day, but uh, apparently, like, we were in the minority on that. I think the, uh, we weren't in the minority on that. The eggs uh, in the basket, <laughs> is, I think it leans more towards the fact that Unbroken's a very popular book, and Angelina's a, Angelina Jolie's, of course, a, you know, a very high-profile persona, mm-hmm. and those two things mixed with, you know, period drama equal giant holiday release to both make the money and to potentially get the Oscars nominations or what have you with that said this does kind of look like a movie that's designed more to cater to the oscar oscar bait is what i'm gleaning at and i don't necessarily like to use that term all the time but this movie really kind of emphasizes what that means i think i mean you have the story of a man who was in a war who was in lost at sea who was in a prisoner who then broke out of that prison and was never broken like it's that's exactly the movie that you're saying man (laughs) 
how many awards is that going to get? Because that has everything in it that you want from these movies. Um, with that in mind, yeah, the the Coen brothers having a hand in the screenplay that does pique my that you know helps it a bit. I the book is excellent, so I mean that's that is a thing about it too. Oh, like, you, they, you've read it? Yeah, I have read it. I mean, okay. it's a, it's like a, it's a, check it out. It's a pretty fantastic story, so it's like yeah, this would be something I'd want to see, I guess, given. If we're you know adapting books like this is a pretty incredible you know story since it's you know true, <laughs> it's that's yeah. that's something that kind of it, it's a true story that kind of fits the cinematic capability cap- has cinematic capabilities I guess. With that said, yes, I I do ag- I agree with David that the trailer doesn't do much for me in terms of, it just kind of more or less tells me oh this exists, um, so I can only hope that it you know plays better than the kind of lauding that the trailer is going for in its you know initial form so we'll see we'll see how that goes Unbroken, of course as you said abe opens on christmas day and i'm sure we'll probably have some pre-release stuff going on before that as well uh but yeah so there's that let's move on now let's get to our let's get to our main review guys we've done a lot of done a lot of bs up to this point apparently <laughs> 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 let's get to our let's get to our main review for the giver do you get to fly to the edge oh yeah what's past there don't know we're not allowed to fly past that let's go it's against the rules, Jonas. They're called books. Hello. Uh, my name... I know who you are. Who are you? The Giver. When the elders need guidance, I provide wisdom. Using memories of the past, our world was different. There was more. More? Much more. All right, so that should have been some of the trailer for The Giver. The Giver is based on the 1993 Lois Lowry novel not related to detective mike lowry from bad boys of course um but this, this is that bo- confirmed i i think so i think i, I it might be cleared up in bad boys anyway this is this film is based on a book that depicts a futuristic society that's been stripped away of pretty much all personality literally leaving people devoid of color in an attempt to keep the darker ways of the past behind them brenton waits is jonas the one chosen to receive the world's memories from the giver played by jeff bridges who has all the secrets of the world with that process in the works, Jonas begins to realize the flaws in this supposedly perfect society. With all that said, David, are you have you I are you a fan? Have you read the book The Giver? I was a huge fan of this book as a kid. Okay, and and uh, what what are your thoughts on the film? Um, it uh, uh, you know I need maybe a few days for the wounds to heal, heal, but it is currently residing at the very bottom of my list of 2014 movies. Hmm. Eddie, so that's where I, that's where it stands. You can get you can go a bit more on that. <laughs> Um, I, I mean, I, I don't want to get into the whole uh, review yet until everyone's had something, something to say, but um, it it didn't feel anything like the world that I remembered from the book. Um, I think uh, it everything felt... I, I wonder if there is or was like a director's cut somewhere because I, it feels... The movie feels incredibly rushed to me. Um, and, uh, it, it feels like it's holding your hand the whole time. It doesn't trust you to understand the emotion behind any of this. It's everything is explained to you and then explained again with a complete lack of, uh, heart or emotion. And then there's a spaceship thing for some reason or a flying <laughs> drone craft thing. Like, uh, it, it felt, I, I was kind of... I, I wouldn't have liked this even if I hadn't read the book, I don't think. I, I just think it's a poorly assembled movie, which is a surprise from Philip Noyce. Even if I didn't like the movie, I would have expected it to be uh, of sturdy construction uh, with him behind the, the camera. But uh, I, 
Uh, I, I think it pretty much failed on every level. Abe? Uh, I did read the book way back when, uh, probably like in fourth grade or something. Um, I don't remember any of it, and when I saw the trailer for this, I was thinking, I don't remember spaceships in this book, and I also don't remember like this future society where um, I guess all this technology has advanced. But I kind of just went in with it anyway, and uh, I was kind of surprised, because I guess I wasn't sure what I was expecting, but I, I did like this film, just... I. Not to say that I loved it. Uh, I think that it has its merits, is what I should say. Um, so I think that they were trying to do something that was... I, I guess I appreciate what they were trying to do, which is tell this story of, hey, look, you know, there's a lot more to life than just having no emotion and draining it all out. It's a story that you've seen time and time again, and I guess that this one is just based off of this property from 1983, so that's what makes it a little bit more interesting than something that's more current, like Divergent or something like that. Um I think the thing that really kind of uh, made it so interesting is just the the montage sequences, which is kind of like an out if you consider it. Just um, you know, like the giver stuff, like the actual giving process. Or? Not the giving, but yeah, sort of. But um, not the not the sequences in which there's an extended period in which you know he's learning about dance or music or whatever else but stuff like hey let me give you the courage and then flash sequence and it's just all these like moving images of like nelson mandela and everything else and it's like well that's kind of like a cheat but at the same time like yeah. i appreciate that i um, found that be- to be a, a real cheat to the point where it kind of uh, almost i felt almost insulted by it that they're leaning on some pretty horrific footage you know vietnam footage and you know an elephant being killed and all this yeah. All this stuff, like, they're borrowing all this emotion that they haven't earned, in my point of view, by using this real real footage. Yeah, and that's something that I uh, was questioning, too, which is, I wonder where where you get the, the motivation to use this, you know what I mean? Like, like where's the, the, the issue that comes up? Like, what's the problem besides this dystopian society, perfect utopian, dystopian, whatever you want to call it, society in which, you know, there's none of this so that no, no fears and no qualms can ever be made. And um, But for the most part, again, I, I, did, I didn't really know what to expect, and so I, I did enjoy it. But, um, I, again, there were flaws in it just because how do you carry around a, a very young person through a mm-hmm. desert for, like, six months or something like that? I don't know. Well, yeah, that's the passage of time, uh, of time in this. That's just one of the, like... Uh, the kind of thing you could write off if it were a good movie. Otherwise, you'd end, end up nitpicking stuff. But like his training with the Giver is at one point referred to like, like it's been going on for like a year by the end of the movie. But this baby Gabriel hasn't aged at all. It's that's ridiculous. And then, they, <laughs> and then yeah, who knows how long he's walking through all this terrain outside of uh, the community? And this baby is this some? Why why doesn't this baby age? That that's it would be a nitpick in another movie, but it uh, drove me crazy because I wasn't didn't have good stuff to focus on. I honestly can't remember if I've read The Giver or not because I feel like I know I knew a lot about the book going in, but I can't remember like the writing style of Lowry. So I like I had no I had no way to be like, did I read this? I, I had no like answer to that question. So I'm, I basically walked in fresh, despite knowing kind of what was going to happen in the movie, which is a weird place to come in at it. Um, with that said, I'm kind of with Abe, where I like I didn't know what to expect, and I ended up enjoying parts of it uh, to an extent because I do I, d- I did find like flaws aside, I thought like Bridges, who apparently is very like into this book and really wanted to get this movie made, like he was a producer on everything, like he was a, he was somewhat mm-hmm. instrumental, like he I thought he did a fine job at what he was going for for this movie. 
It's red. Just like her hair. Yes. It's red, green, blue, many different colors. But our people, they chose to do away with all of them. They created sameness. If we were different, we could be envious, angry, consumed with hatred. We need sameness, don't you think? Oh, I completely agree. It's still, it's also beautiful. Were you at the Comic-Con panel for The Giver? I was not, no. Yeah, he talks about, there's somewhere, um, he has a videotape that he made as like a test at home with, Interesting. Uh, with like a 12 year old, because in the book, the kid is 12. Yeah. So from like the mid 90s, he made this video as a test with a 12 year old with his father, Lloyd Bridges, huh. playing the giver and with Bud Court reading narration straight from the book. Huh. I would I would love to see that. I, I, hope, Same here. I hope that's on the uh, the unrated DVD. <laughs> it's on the Blu-ray yeah, extras. The Too Hot for Theaters edition of The Giver. <laughs> um, uh, but here's, as someone with, a, I, I, even though I haven't read it since probably middle school, it stuck with me. So someone with a little more memory of the book, um, I was not on this movie's side from the very beginning because... First off, you start with a couple of title cards explaining exactly what the world is, what's happened. And then immediately you get voiceover re-explaining what you just read on the title cards. Um, And I feel like up until the first time that the giver gives uh, Jonas some memories, which is the sledding memory, Mm -hmm. there's – and that's got to be almost 25 minutes into the movie – there's – no, almost no gap in dialogue between voiceover and dialogue. For tw- oh, more than twenty minutes, they are constantly talking as a way of setting up what everything is. Whereas in the book, there's none of there's no prologue, there's no explanation. You have to learn over the course of the book what this society is and what may have happened, uh, it just just by being immersed in it. That that's one of the major differences right from the beginning and i think really informs why i dislike this movie because it felt so uh hand-holding and it felt so uh untrustworthy uh, untrusting of this audience it feels like a dark city scenario where they added narration into that movie to better get you acquainted mm-hmm. with what was going on from the get-go which unfortunately compromises what some of the movie's trying to do um and i agree with you that it is we- it like there's so many weird things about this movie that do feel like either studio tinkering or that or just unsureness of how to handle this but yeah it is a philip noise movie and i think he knows his way around making a movie at this point so it, it i my my expect my, my low expectations came from the fact that this is you know a mid-august release of a major you know ya novel and the last time we had that well beyond the many times we've had ya novel adaptations like last year uh, we had the what the Mortal Instruments, City of Bones, or whatever. City of Bones, right. And that's like exactly this movie again, where you just you know you have this popular YA novel with a young cast and random like big actors also in it coming out at no real time of year that you know generally makes a lot of money for these movies unless it has you know Hunger Games in the title. And it it just it feels like this movie that just kind of sits there, um, which is probably probably my main issue with it. Like I was able to get past a lot of the kind of some logic gaps and weird suspension of disbelief involving the setup of this world and what have you, just because I was enjoying 
I was enjoying Bridges. I was I liked Brenton Thwaites, who even now we both like in the Signal quite a bit. Yeah. Um, there was things about it that I admire. Like I even I like the kind of the the look of this world, the way they're playing with color and playing with kind of characters acting like robots, which is essentially what they are. Some did it better than others, I would say. But yeah, it does feel like a. It feels like a movie that's like kind of derivative, mainly because we've seen this story a lot in other forms, regardless of when this book came out versus when other movies or books were written and then turned into movies. I mean, it it just feels like another addition to this kind of idea of a chosen one emerging from a utopian society and finding out that there's something bad going on in that society. Like, there's nothing really special about that story anymore. That's such a shame to me that it feels... Because you're right, it does feel derivative of all this stuff, even though the source material... Predates is a like, lot of that stuff. The, it's yeah. the forefather of all this stuff. Yeah, like, there's certainly there was, like, some kind of 70s sci-fi that came to mind. But, yeah, movies like... A movie like Equilibrium, for example, feels, like, like exactly. exact directly inspired by, right. like, The Giver. Or even Diversion from earlier this year feels like another yeah. one that comes, you know... It's down, down to having a, a female author of a sci-fi utopian world. Like, it's just all that kind of yeah. comes to mind. Some but, of the technical aspects that you had talked about earlier, too. I mean, I just want to add on that. I liked, actually, some of the cinematography in the opening sequences when it's still black and white, um... I thought some of the shots were actually were really nice. They were just really framed well. Um, and then as the color comes in, you kind of mix in, I guess, whatever else. But I thought that some of the opening stuff was really good. Up to the point where he's actually just, uh, where Brenton is, is looking at the, the clouds because um, he's been given some, some information already. This is, And so there's another thing that, I don't know if this comes from my thoughts on what I knew about the book or whatnot, but I don't know how much this book lends itself to a movie, which is my other issue with it. Like it, it feels like the arc of this movie is very simple when you kind of break it down, and it feels like there. So, so it's weird to think there's more of this movie that could exist. Like there's a like this movie's like what 93 minutes or something without credits. Like if there's like an extended cut, it's like what else could be there beyond shaping these characters more, making you know some of the stuff that David you've talked about, like making that feel kind of more fleshed out and earned while taking away some of the narrate like it's well i think what could be there is the non-story stuff i think one of the problems i had is this movie doesn't take its time in the world you know there's a the this this phrase that has become popular of world building mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i feel like the this movie the giver is so self-conscious in its world building where it's almost more like it's world like telling all the time like it's constantly telling you what the world is uh, what I would have liked to to have seen is for the movie to relax a bit and take its time in this world. And, you know, it goes back to what I talked about with there being almost no gap in people talking for the first 25 minutes of the movie. It, it, it doesn't... It, I don't get any sense of the atmosphere. And the thing you, uh, Abe, were talking about, about the early cinematography in the movie, I on its own, I actually really like a lot of the choices made there, too, because... Uh, as opposed to something like the Hunger Games, which feels very contemporary, um, the 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 approach uh, to the cinematography in the early black and white sequences is kind of classical and old fashioned. It's almost it's a it's a throwback the way some of this stuff is framed, mm -hmm. um, which I think comes yeah. down to the budget too. Like it's a very it's a much smaller yeah, movie than some it. of these bigger because it's like I think it's like a twenty thirty million dollar movie compared to like oh, Hunger really? Games. Oh really? Wow. Yeah, compared right. to like Hunger Games, which has you know like a hundred million dollars like thrown in. Yeah. yeah. But um. Uh, I, on its own, I like a lot of those choices, but then when you've got this nonstop dialogue that bothered me, it's not very good dialogue because so much of it is uh, expositional. And also, I think um, the cast is almost uniformly not good. Even actors I normally like, like Jeff Bridges and Meryl Streep, uh, 
I, I really didn't didn't like, and, and everything felt so rushed to me. Uh, I wonder. It, I'm curious about that because yeah, so the the world building part, and I'm wondering if it's maybe because we've seen like audiences across America or the world have seen so many of these movies where like, this is dystopian future, and um, you know the reason why the world is this way is because of the same exact reasons in this movie. So there's no reason to uh, have us spend time, spend screen time to make you understand what this world is about. Well, that's making unfair assumptions of your audience, though. Yeah, uh, it, it, it's it's one thing to like to not show like a superhero backstory because you're familiar with it so often from seeing it. But there's another reason. To, it's another thing to assume that audiences are familiar with futuristic societies because they've seen other futuristic societies. Mm-hmm. Like that's that. a good point. I think it, I think I think yeah, it is telling you a lot about this world while also rushing through it at the same time, just because it. It seems either like it's been chopped up a lot, or it um, just didn't have the right script going into it, or whatnot. Like, it, I, there's yes, that while I do like see things about it that I enjoyed, I do find yeah some very obvious flaws in the movie, and I, I can agree on that for sure. What what did you guys? What would you guys recommend about it? Because you both liked it more than I did. What would you say are its strong points? Because I I do why well, so you you didn't like the performances. I would I I would say I do think that that Bridges I was gonna say Quaid Bridges and <laughs> um and Thwaites do a good job for what they do. I think Thwaites Brent and Thwaites in, in particular as Jonas. I think there's a tricky balance to find between playing a character that's been stripped of personality to an extent and then discovering. Um, you know more about the world, and, and in turn, his character builds from that. I wouldn't say it's a perfect performance, or you know, one of the best of these young acting performances of these kind of movies. But I do, I did find myself inv- invested in his character, despite other issues around him. And because that's the driving force of the film, he's in every scene essentially. Like I, I responded to that positively. I think one of the things that I really liked about it is just the appreciation of life, and that's. It's it's much more of a from a step back perspective. Again, I I did enjoy those montage sequences. I just thought that they were just strangely placed in, in a movie um, that has main actors and characters and whatever else. Um, it, it reminds me of that one uh, a life in a day that where they just put together a bunch of YouTube uh, videos and then the, it showed you the life in a day of the world. Um, and I appreciate that a lot primarily because it's just. There's a lot to see in the world, and, and I hope that people do get out and, and check it out. And There's just so much to learn. I think that I had so little anticipation of this movie that also held quite a bit. I, I really did not... Very true. I, I really did that. not find myself thinking, man, I hope The Giver's going to be good. I just think I just thought, man, I hope Meryl Streep isn't worse than Kate Winslet was in Divergent, because, man, they really seem to be competing <laughs> against each other. Um, th- this movie, while I, I wouldn't say Meryl Streep's giving a relevatory performance either... I do think she's fine for what she's given. I think Alexander Skarsgård has like some of the better moments in this movie. I think he, I think just terms, off this facial expression. In, ter- in terms of kind of the way this world's being depicted and like what goes on in it, I feel like the stuff that they give he plays Jonas's father. I think the stuff that they give him is maybe a little manipu- manipulative, but at the same time, I think he effectively does what's required of him. And there's just yeah, I would I would if if I had to say something nice about the movie, which I don't think I've done yet. Um. I would withdraw when I said I didn't like the cast. I think Alexander Sarsgaard and even Katie Holmes um, are doing a, doing a good job of um, transmitting what the what people would be like who had grown up to adulthood in this yeah. world. And and the, it's like it's little touches like that 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 made it work for me. And I also something about the idea of 
a movie like this not ending on like a even though it does have kind of inserted action in it to an extent more adventurous stuff than action but in having kind of a lot of these all these movies a lot of these YA movies end in these kind of big you know giant finale action finales of you know big stakes and whatnot and lots of repercussions and people dying this movie doesn't really have that it feels like it's a lot more focused on a thing it regardless of you like that thing or not you like how it's got there at that point i think it for a movie it, instead of being you know a two and a half hour movie that has all these loose ends it feels like it's a wrapped up package and there's something something like about that i mean felt there's still questions that i still have though I mean, regarding what happens later but i, I, well, I mean, there are sequels no... to the books which I'm i've aware, never yeah. read yeah but there yeah, are more I mean... books I, I, but I do agree with Aaron. It's like, yeah, it's not like this giant action sequence like Divergent, and it's like, oh, you know, by the way, one of ours was taken, so we've got to go out into the fields and get him back. It's just like, no, it ends where it ends because they've, for all it ends where it ends. That's why, yeah, solved, yeah, they've they've solved everything that they needed to solve. In ter- like it didn't, it, not like this movie, you know, begs for a sequel anyway, or let alone these movies in general make me think, man, I can't wait to see the next one. But in terms of what it's doing. I felt like I got a I got a complete package, which was for which was refreshing, really, honestly. I, although this, I, I think you could make a good sequel without giving away spoilers about how it ends. You know, what things change at the end. Yeah, and I think you could give make a good sequel about people who want th- you know the con- the, contr- the 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 conflict between people who are embracing these new changes and people who want things. Um, to go back to the way they were. That that could be a really interesting story. Well, it's like compared to a movie like Ender's Game, which I liked quite a bit. Abe and I both liked I, quite I a liked bit. I liked it a lot. Yeah. Um, I think one of the flaws of that movie is the ending, where it does leave you literally with kind of a okay, so now what? Like there's <laughs> it doesn't give you much to go on at the end there, especially because it you know didn't do well, so it's probably not going to get a sequel. So it th- something like this was like a nice. Nice change, change it in a different direction, and that along with you know some of the cinematography stuff that Abe's mentioned and what I appreciated about some of these performances. I mean, there are little aspects like that that made a movie that I was expecting to probably hate. It made it worthwhile to me. That's got that's got that that's where I come down to it in terms of why I would not necessarily like say, man, you got to go see this movie, but you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't divert people away from it either. Or diverge. I was trying to make that. I couldn't figure out how to make that joke work. I was trying to make it work too. (laughs) Good on all of us. So, anything else on the giver, or uh, we move on? Uh, I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Then uh, let's get to our rating. Then, Um, basically, my question now, David, is when or should people go see this movie? I would say to save your time and your money. Abe, I'd say yeah. I mean, dollar theater would be fine. Yeah, I think you could wait for the HBO premiere of The Giver. I think you can do that just fine. Watch it in, you know, HD or whatnot. Yeah. Anyway, all right, let's move on now. Let's get to movie Callback. Callback, callback, callback. This is, of course, where we discuss some movies that we might have thought of during or after the main film of the week, which is, of course, The Giver. And, uh, David, any uh, movies come to mind when you're watching The Giver? Uh, somebody else go first, because I forgot about this part of the show. Oh, yeah, no problem. <laughs> Abe? Yeah, absolutely. So we talked about Divergent, uh, The Matrix, Tron, and that Simpsons episode where they all have to wear uniforms, and then uh, their life gets sucked out until it starts raining because the because the uniforms are not color fast. Oh, that one. Oh, okay. <laughs> first, I thought you were Down about the, with homework. I thought you were talking about the Colt episode first, but oh yeah, I get what you're saying. Man, that 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 a spinoff Simpsons podcast we do one day is going to be great. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. 
Um, yeah, I have uh, Equilibrium. I mentioned um, a lot of other books. Uh, Divergence and uh, True Grit came to mind just because of what uh, <laughs> Bridges was bringing. What? Uh, yeah, what Bridges was bringing. David, any thoughts now? Um, I would mention. Um, well, I, this seems kind of superficial, but I thought of Pleasantville a lot because that's oh. also a movie that uses the gradual introduction of color, uh, and I would say uses it much better. I mean, Pleasantville definitely has its flaws, um, but at least Pleasantville's flaws com- come from it being overly ambitious, whereas I think the giver's flaws come from it being um, uh, a little bit uh, short-sighted. And uh, I thought of um, Rabbit Proof Fence, which is, uh, I think, a much better movie that Philip Noyce made with child actors than this one, uh, and with younger child actors, like the giver novel uh, should have been. Uh, and then here's one kind of jokey one. Did either of you see They Came Together, the David Wayne movie? I did, and I'm a big fan there of it. I've been trying to champion it for months. It's, <laughs> it's my favorite movie of 2014 so far. Really? I love it. Oh, I my God. It. It's so funny. <laughs> um, but there's a running joke where they where they um, describe the passage of time through uh, different holidays. Yeah. And then every time the new scene starts, you hear people saying, like, off screen, saying things like, it's Halloween. It's Halloween, you know. New Year's Eve. Like, it's a really corny thing. And there's a part in The Giver where one of the memories he shares is of a, a wedding, like a medieval time, like medieval wedding. And you literally hear someone say, "Beautiful wedding." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that movie is wonderful. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the uh, yeah, those are the movies I thought of. Great, Philip Noise, by the way. I I generally like him. So it's a shame <laughs> this, this movie isn't better. Uh, do, but... Like, do you uh, other than like Quiet American and Rubber Proof Fence is like more personal stuff. What what Philip Noise movies do you like? Uh, Dead Calm, I really like with Sam Neill and Billy Zane and Nicole Kidman. Um, Clear and Present Danger, I think, is a terrific action movie. One of the one of the one of the better uh, careers. Uh, uh, one of the better moves that uh, Harrison Ford's had post, you know, not including, you know, his, you know, geek roles. Um, I think I, I think The Saint is underrated. I love Val Kilmer. I thought that was a solid one. Um, and yeah, Rabbit Proof Fence. Uh, was it the quiet, the, uh, the quiet, the Quiet American, the yeah. one with Michael Caine? Yeah. And uh, and I like Salt quite a bit. I think Salt. I didn't see Salt. I think Salt is a, is a very efficient action movie with 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 stakes that surprised me going into it. It felt like an old fashioned. Kind of action movie that happened to have Angelina Jolie in a modern action role, but I mean, for yeah, so for, I mean, for the most part, I, I do like what Philip Noyce has to offer as a director. I compared uh, in my written review on BattleshipRetention.com, I I talked about the Bone Collector, mm-hmm. which is also not a good movie. No, but no, it's is, again has this sheen of professionalism and competence to it that I think The Giver was missing. The Bone Collector at least moves forward, like it progresses like a real movie. You know, made by professionals, uh, whereas this felt so slapped together in so many ways. Yeah, it makes me curious if there is some kind of behind-the-scenes stuff that happened that made the give that compromised the quality of the giver. I would say, or whatnot. Yeah, it is a Weinstein company. It's because they went for that PG-13 rating. Just like Spendables three, they should have gone for the R. I, yeah, I really get all that con- that extra content, and they're like, "That's the thing, though." It's just like I don't know what else they're this, in terms of quality. Like, there's issues. Yeah, there, I mean, I, I also in terms of like tell what, because... what else there could be more in it. Like, right. what, uh, I don't remember the source material, so that's why I was like, I I can't remember how this book goes, or uh, or what its meaning, or how I felt about it after reading it when I was nine. Hmm. And, 
Like, hmm. Anyway, let's move on. Let's get to our sponsor. Uh, today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Um, and you, the listeners of Out Now, Theater, and Abe, you can find a free audio book at audibletrial.com. You can download a free audio book there. You can check out the service for 30 days. Have the opportunity. If you don't like it, you can get rid of it. But you get to keep that book that you downloaded. And speaking of books, I have one to recommend. It is called Messenger, which is by <laughs> Lois Lowry and narrated by David Morse. Um, six years, a little synopsis, six years earlier, Maddie had come to a village as a scrappy and devious little boy. Back then, he liked to call himself the fiercest of the fierce. But since that time, Maddie has grown almost into a man under her care of, of Seer, a blind man whose, whose special sight has earned him the name. Now Maddie hopes that he will soon be given his true name, and he hopes it will be Messenger. But strange changes are taking place in the village. This is, it's more of a, it's not a direct sequel to The Giver, I think it's more of a companion novel to The Giver, but it is by Lois Lowry. And that is just one of the many books you can find at audibletrial.com. Again, you can download a book, check out the service. If you don't like it, you get to keep the book anyway, even after giving up the service. So, be a winner. Read or listen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get to our feedback section. Feedback, feedback, feedback. We have a lot of feedback this week, Abe. We a have a lot of listeners that really wanted to help out and contribute their answers to the various questions we've asked on Facebook.com. So let's go into those right now. Let's do it. David, if you, have a, if you have an answer, feel free to shout it out as well. Uh, the first question we asked was, your favorite Jeff Bridges role or movie? Uh, Alan, friend of the show, Alan writes The Fisher King. Corey writes Tron and Tron Legacy. Both Trons, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Justin writes Tron for sure. The best would have been the dude. I always liked him in K-Pax, The Fisher King, and Starman. I actually, um, I, I wrote, I wrote on the Facebook page for this question to make the kind of the, uh, the kind of exclude Lebowski if you wanted to, which is why Lebowski is not going to come up as often as one would. As often, yeah. right? Uh, Philip writes True Grit. Jason, he just wrote everything here. He wrote Tron, True Grit, Baker Boys, R.I.P.D. The one man. Starman. <laughs> Starman and King Kong, also King, the King dude. Kong. <laughs> but me and Sam Elliott wishes he wouldn't curse so much. Ah, I, they, he personally knows Sam Elliott. Uh, Joe writes, uh, original Tron and Barney Cousins in The Vanishing. Okay. Philip writes, go ahead and hate, but Iron Man. And, you know, hey, it's your opinion. I wouldn't have to hate him. He's fine in Iron Man. Scott writes, it really doesn't matter what role he started in or will start in. I'd say his role as the dude is the one and only that would always be associated with him. Such an iconic part. Okay. Yeah, the dude is the first one I thought of. I'm surprised no one said the last picture show. That's a that's a good one. Yeah, I mean that's um, it's like his breakout, right? Yeah, and then yeah, I would second the person who said the fabulous Baker Boys. I'm a big fan of that movie. Cool. All right, next question. I like this question quite a bit. If you had a level of knowledge that you could pass on to someone, what would that knowledge be? Larry Larry writes, something will come my way. Scott has the universe is a weird place. Embrace the weirdness. Leah has, in her best Jeff Goldblum, life uh, finds a way. Uh, Dennis <laughs> has, there is no spoon. James has, how to get the VCR to stop blinking 12. VHS will write again. <laughs> <laughs> Jason has, the knowledge of the dude. Lane has, make sure you see Clue. That's a weird <laughs> and one. All of, <laughs> and all three of its endings. Eric has, there is nothing I could pass on that would be more valuable than experiencing it for yourself, except a sandwich. It's a good one. Good answers, that one. I like yeah. that. <laughs> Very existential. <laughs> Our next question is, Brenton Thwaites stars in The Giver and Out Now Fave The Signal. Who are some other up-and-coming actors uh, that people like? Jason writes Chris Pratt and Michael B. Jordan. Uh, Trevor writes Elizabeth Olsen. And lastly, Philip has Elle Fanning and Ty Sheridan. 
David, do you have any uh, younger actors that you're looking at? Yeah, uh, these have to be young actors. Oh, well, well, I guess you're coming. Yeah. Um, you know who I liked a lot is this guy. Uh, is his name Frank Grillo? Yeah, from the Frank Purge Grillo. Anarchy. Yeah. The yeah, I, I hope he gets more. Uh, He's been in like really small well, roles here and there. Aaron, of uh, we've kept him on our out now with Aaron and Abe Radar. So since ever war, since, since Warrior, Warrior. Yeah, yeah. Hardy and uh, and um, oh my god, and Moses's brother himself, Ramsey. I forget. Uh, yeah, I forget his name too. Oh my god, and he wrote. I'm trying to not look it up. He wrote those movies that I like. Uh, <laughs> Joel, Joel Edgerton. There we Joel, go. Yes. Yeah. Oh, killing me. Her also, I saw this movie, The Rover, with yeah. this kid, oh, yeah. Robert, Robert Pattinson. Yeah. I don't know if you guys have heard of him. He's <laughs> I, I, good. I mean, I, I heard that he's really good in that movie. He's good in that movie. No, he is. <laughs> I, I was very, not having seen, I, the only thing I'd ever seen him in, well, other than the Harry Potter uh, Goblet of Fire, yep. was a movie called Bella Me, which was really bad. Oh, uh, yeah. No, or at like, least really boring, at least. Most uh, of the things I've seen him in outside of Twilight. Which I don't even, that's more of just like, yep, I signed on for these, here we go. But like, I, he seems, he's been a solid presence as an actor. Like, what well, was the one where he's just driving in a limo where like the end Cosmo- of the world Cosmopolis. 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 I didn't see that. That's, a, that's another one that he's quite good in. Yeah, yeah I hear good things. The Rover, because that, that was, because uh, uh, David Michaud's preview. Yeah, the, I, that was right. Yeah, Joel Edgerton co-wrote the story on The Rover. Like, yeah, because he's a writer as well. That's, and he's, he previously starred in David Michaud's other movie, um, Animal, Animal Kingdom. Kingdom. Yeah. yeah. Just connecting the dots on the Joel Edgerton. <laughs> yeah, we just we just cloud atlas that one. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, um, we brought this up earlier, but we lost a couple screen icons this week: the wonderful Robin Williams and Golden Age star Lauren Bacall. Can everyone name some favorite films from each? Uh, Jason has Good Morning Vietnam. Tyler has I Love Bacall in Written on the Wind, classic melodrama. I loved Williams in Jumanji and Mrs. Doubtfire, but his most underrated performance was One Hour Photo. Um, and Philip has Howl's Moving Castle and Misery for Bacall. I think William's performance was the best thing about Goodwill Hunting. Also, Night at the Museum and Robots, making Robots a movie that I just now remembered existed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and lastly, we asked, uh, what movies is, has everyone seen lately and what do they think? Eric writes, what if was a lot of fun? Very sweet film story filled with uh, the complexities of life. And ridiculous senses of humor. I haven't seen that yet. David, have you seen What If? The Daniel Radcliffe? Radcliffe? Yeah. No, I haven't. Yeah. I hear it's like a modern age, like, going through whatever. But I'm curious about it. Oh, it's, it's one of those, Abe? It's one of those modern age going through whatever? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's been a while. Had one of those. Not like, not like one, one of those older was, ones. <laughs> it's not, yeah, it's definitely not one of those older ones. Friend of the show, Mark Hopin, writes, I'm in the theater watching What If right now. That's as lately as it gets. Jason quit, writes... Quit texting in the movie, dude. <laughs> It's okay. That that little pop up with the M and M's didn't show up yet. Uh, Jason writes, "Change Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, for 2014 was okay, and Hercules was a fun action movie." And Leslie Phillip writes, "About a boy and Super Eight. I love them both. I appreciate Super Eight a lot more than the first time having seen it, uh, and having recently rewatched The Goonies. The child acting was uh, much better than the line shouting in Goonies." Uh, Monster Squad for life. Um, okay, so let's uh. Move on now. Let's get to our questions here. Uh, we, uh, you know, of course, we ask questions, you give us answers. So now you ask us questions, and we'll give you you answers. Um, Jason asks, "What do you think of The Rock being the villain in Expendables 4? Uh, my first reaction to that is, I don't care at all. But given that Expendables 3 is like failing at the box office, and we love the Rock, we love Wayne the Dia Silent, the Thank Rock Johnson. You. Yes. Um, I mean, he's, he seems to have been franchise Viagra for other series, such as the Fast and Furious series, for example. So, if you know, if they put him in Expendables, that's that's something that they've done. 
I honestly didn't think that there was going to be an Expendables 4, so I hope this uh, is We false. don't know that there's going to be Expendables 4, because this one's currently failing, so who knows? It's, yeah. it's nice to wish things, though. Um, <laughs> yeah. Philip asks us, will Guardians' Argus success change the way people in studios look at the summer releases, or is it more of an outlier? That's a great question, Philip. I don't think it's an outlier. I think I think Marvel's done a very good job this year of having movies not released on the traditional start dates for giant yeah. epic blockbusters because you have Captain America at the beginning of April and now you have Guardians of the Galaxy at the beginning of August. None of these movies came out in May, June, July, but they happen to be some of the biggest movies of the year and year in months that are not known for having those kind of movies. So Yeah, and it kinda of reminds me of like what friend of the show Scott Madison was saying. It's like he just hopes that there's good movies that get put out and all months of the year, because they shouldn't just be strictly put into like categories of summer blockbuster or, or Oscar bait movies. It's, just like, well, it's not even about good. Like this, this question is just more about movies that successful. have the potential to be successful. Yeah, I mean, you can put Transformers out in August fifteenth, and maybe that probably would have been made the same amount of money. We don't know because they don't test it very often. And Marvel's done that. Marvel's like, you know what? We got some moves we can make. Let's try it, and they've succeeded. Does that good mean? Job, every, does that mean every other movie is going to succeed in that way? Not necessarily, but I'd like to think that. There's more potential to kind of broaden the horizons of when these big movies get released. So we'll see. Fast and Furious started that too. Fast and Furious was doing that in April before Marvel was. <laughs> before it was cool, they were the before hipsters. Before it was cool, yeah, they were the hipsters <laughs> in the studio world. Eric asks, Guardian, a lot of Guardian stuff. Eric asks, Guardians is effectively launching the outer space segment of the Marvel movie universe in the same way Iron Man launched the Avengers universe. Please compare these two movies as the foundations for more to come. Uh, hmm. um, Feels like I have to write an essay on this. Uh, could, but I mean, the be- the way to best way to look at it, I guess, is Guardians, because it's set in outer space and it introduces you to many different planets and many different types of alien races and different species and whatnot. It has potential to do pretty much anything. Granted, basically, granted, it exists in you know worlds that have been explored in the comics or what have you. But because Guardians is such an obscure property, I would say any follow-up to Guardians that's closely associated to both that and the fact that it's a Marvel movie could potentially be a successful movement towards expanding a whole other universe that's outside of the realm of Tony Stark and the gang. So plenty of potential there, I guess, as long as people are still interested in this thing, especially when you have new Star Wars movies that are going to start to come out on a yearly basis next year. People <laughs> it's be... going to be the crossover? Well, no, it's just more of... Guardians and Star Wars. <laughs> it, That'd be just, great. It's just, it's just more of... I mean, they're both Disney. But it's more of, we're going to see a lot of kind of space operas happening yeah. in the very near future. I mean, it started now with Guardians. I mean, yeah, it, started, it started with Star Trek or even Serenity, if you want to go back. For, I mean, it's never really left. It's just more of, we're getting more of that now, it seems. So. And basically what I'm... Uh, I think that it just bridges the gap between what they can expand on in the future as well. I mean, you kind of saw in the Avengers as well, where they see this other planet, or this these other interstellar planets, and now they have to make adjustments for it. And Captain America 2 addresses that. Um, Guardians is now going even farther into the reaches of space, where you, now you have a potential for all these other Marvel properties to come through and just make a cameo appearance or just have their own movie. And it's just kind of expanding it. I mean, it literally is a Marvel universe. Thank you. Um, and with comparing that to Iron Man, Iron Man was made... I mean, Iron Man and Guardians are both the biggest risks that Marvel's you know kind of made in terms of kind of big movies that are coming out. And Iron Man... While the idea maybe was like, someday maybe we can get these guys all together, Iron Man more functioned as a, hey, let's put this movie out there and see if it works, and it happened to, and we just let's close it on a Sam Jackson scene where we announce the potential. 
And while I think Guardians is a more successful movie overall than Iron Man is, I'd still say Iron Man's you know quite good and certainly paved the way for everything to, to get up to this point with Guardian with the tenth movie in these Marvel movies. So, I mean, they're, they're good foundation layers. That's for sure. <laughs> they're good foundations. That's for sure. Indeed. So. Yeah. Philip, two cents. What? Philip, David, two cents. Uh, I haven't seen Guardians of the Galaxy. There you oh, go. no worries. Yeah, that's my two cents. There you go. <laughs> and right. my name is definitely not Philip. Yeah. Yeah. My my apologies. Reading a question. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> uh, Jason asked us, "What is your favorite uh, Phase Two Marvel Cinematic Universe film so far?" Guardians. I think we answered. This, yeah. <laughs> like uh, when we like ranked the movies ago. last Guardian. week or two weeks yeah. ago. Yeah, we were kind of on Guardians. So Guardians. It's pretty pretty simple, I would say. <laughs> um, <laughs> Anyway, moving on. Philip has, who would win in a political debate between Hodor and Groot? Um, <laughs> well, Hodor only says Hodor, and Groot says I am Groot. So I think the three words beats the one word. So there you go. There you go. Settled. Yeah, settled that one. All right, so let's move on now. Let's get to our, uh, actually, what, uh, that was on the feedback, by the way. Feedback, feedback, feedback. Abe, what, uh, what time is it now, Abe? Aaron, I believe that it's time for games. That was that was beautiful this week, sir. I thought so. That Taylor Swift composed that actually in her cameo. In the <laughs> oh wow! We wow. didn't talk about her at all, by the way. But she was fine. She didn't do anything bad. I'm glad that she had a very, very, very minor role. <laughs> I don't think it's Swift. I, she hasn't done anything to me. Okay, this game that I have for you guys this week is called The Gaver. Fast sense of giver. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. Oh. Okay. So I'm gonna be I it was uh, like, asking guys. What if the giver was gay? No, <laughs> no. Gaver, G-A-V-E-R. Um, let me stop you really quick, Abe. Yeah. Um, we had a uh, we had a new entry on the favorite uh, performances by Robin Williams question, and we have David has World According to Garp, and for Lauren Bacall, Key Largo. So there you go. Very good. Yeah. Continue on with games. <laughs> so these questions are essentially just trivia questions about uh, something that a movie character has given to another movie character. Uh, all you have to do is buzz in with your name and say the title of the movie. Um so if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's go. So to be clear, you're gonna what what kind of question are you gonna read? I'm gonna be reading trivia questions. You're gonna be reading and so and to buzz in, I'll be like Aaron, and then I'll say whatever I think the answer is. Yes. And if okay. I wanted to buzz in, I'd say Philip. De- definitely. <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> David. <laughs> Sorry about that again. It's okay. <laughs> uh, if you know the answer beforehand, just feel free to buzz in. I don't have to finish reading the question. Got it. Okay. Christian Bell gave a serious axing to Jared Leto in this movie. Aaron. Aaron. American Psycho. That's correct. That's less trivia. It's more like a thing that happened. But go on. <laughs> this title character gives one of the best dance sequences during a rally ever. Also, vote for Pedro. David? David. Napoleon Dynamite? That is correct. Okay. Next one here. The crew probably... This crew probably gave Andy Garcia so many ulcers and headaches after robbing his casino vault in this movie. Aaron. Aaron. Ocean's Eleven. That's correct. I was going to say 12 to be clever, yeah, but I decided not would, to do that. That'd be wrong, and I'd give it... Uh, I don't know. You might have got ulcers in between 11 and 12. And then, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Who gets ulcers during the heist? It's <laughs> a good point. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Jim Carrey gave millions of fans so much joy and comfort in this movie where he wasn't even aware he was being filmed. David. David. The Truman Show. That's correct. Dead heat here, guys. Next one. 
All that Rod Tidwell wants is to give him a bigger contract Aaron. and show him the Aaron. Oh, Jerry Maguire. <laughs> That's correct. Next one. In Rod we trust, by the way. <laughs> this title character gives great advice when he states, Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. Aaron. Aaron. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. That is correct. Two more. Leonardo DiCaprio gives a government agent a good chase before finally deciding to help the agency David. with ident- David. Catch me if you can. That is correct. I was that second mouse, by the way. <laughs> oh, oh, that's, that's a good story. Last one. This mechanical cleaning hero helps give life on Earth a second shot. David. That's David. Wally. That is correct. Let me count this up here. It's close. I think we're tied. Might be. Yeah, it is tied 4-4. You have that classic tiebreaker you're always hiding up your sleeve? Okay, yeah. So the classic tiebreaker is you must say... uh, Go on. (laughs) Yeah. uh, You must say... uh, You have to give me your best Good Morning Vietnam in Robin Williams' voice. Okay. Uh, I (laughs) forfeit. What? (laughs) Come on, David. You can do this. Means I won. (laughs) I don't think my my neighbors would appreciate it. I'd probably scare my cat. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I'm gonna give this one to David anyway. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> I called him Philip. <laughs> Unprecedented. <laughs> what do I get? A pat on the back. All right. You get to come back to the podcast eventually. <laughs> Thank God. All right, and that was James, the gaver. Thank you. Well prepared as always. Let's get to Out Now Presents What's Out Now. These are new movies coming out on Blu-ray, DVD, or streaming this week, and we've got a lot of things here. A lot of TV actually. First up, we have The Amazing Spider-Man, duh. Eh, some scenes are okay. You know what? I liked it, so there. (laughs) (laughs) I enjoyed Spider-Man, too. (laughs) Uh, Only Lovers Left Alive, which David and I saw together, actually. Yeah, that Um, was a good one. Yeah, fantastic film. I'm still in my top five of the year. Um, Let's see, Fading Gigolo. This is, I think I talked about this movie. You brought this one up, yeah. Yeah, this is a a John Turturro-directed film with uh, him and Woody Allen as the obvious combo of Pimp and Gigolo, and a fitting follow-up to Deuce Bigelow, Male Gigolo. (laughs) Um, We have The Quiet Ones. This is a Jared Harris-starring horror movie that was probably terrible, so I'll just go with that. Um, Then we got a lot of TV stuff. We have Boardwalk Empire Season 4, Revolution Season 2, the last season, which was canceled, Community Season 5, which was back on track for Community, Um, The Good Wife, Parks and Recreation, it's like the sixth season, I think, the Mindy Project, the second season, and then like the TV movie of Rosemary's Baby, or like miniseries with Zoe Saldana, which was probably was terrible. It, it was a TV miniseries? Yeah, that? it came out like a couple months ago. It was on. Interesting. And uh, lastly, on Criterion this week, just going to want to mention it, E2 Mama Tambien comes out on Criterion Blu-ray release. It's like throwing that one out there, because that's just a good movie. Yeah. So yeah, a lot of stuff hitting the hitting the streets this week, and I, so, yeah, go for it. <laughs> They're also putting Sounds out good. Uh, the Blu-ray "Time Me Up, Time Me Down" comes out oh. this, this that week. Cool on Criterion. Oh, nice. The Almodovar. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I forgot the uh, what other Criterions are coming out this week. There's always a couple. I think that's it for that. Let's move on now. What we're going to talk about next week. Next week we're going over Frank Miller's Sin City: colon, A Dame to Kill For, the follow, the nine-year follow-up to Sin City. Um, from directors Robert, Robert Rodriguez and Frank Miller, because those credits are needed. And uh, yeah, that's the uh, that's what we're going to talk about next week. We'll see how that goes. 
With that said, uh, David, what should people go see in theaters now, if you had to name a movie? Oh, man. Uh, you put me on the spot. I'm trying to think, uh, what is coming, uh, what is out? Uh, I liked Get On Up. I liked, yeah. Out. You um, and I both liked that quite a bit, actually. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was probably the last thing. And then there's one coming, a small movie that's coming out in, the, it'll be a platform release in the next few weeks called Love is Strange. Oh, with, I saw uh, that too, yeah. John Lithgow and Alfred Molina and uh, Marissa Tomei. I thought that was also a wonderful movie. I completely agree with you. I really enjoyed that movie, yeah. Um, Abe, any uh, movies people, which people could go see now? I think you should go see Boyhood. I saw that again for a second time Ooh. just uh, last week, and I enjoyed it immensely again. Yeah, I still, I've been wanting to see it a second time. I haven't got around to it yet. Um, I am going to say Frank, if you can find it. That's the Michael Fassbender film. And if you can't see Frank, go see Lucy. Why not? Because it's weird. <laughs> I support weirdness. So there. Um, <laughs> so yeah, with that said, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Out Now with Aaron and Abe. You can find more of my work on my personal blog, thecodazeek.com, where you can find all my written movie reviews, as well as at wisetheblue.com for all my Blu-ray reviews. Also, you can find me on Twitter, at Aaron's PS4. Abe? You can find more fun stuff at walrusmoose.blogspot.com and twitter.com slash walrusmoose. Hashtag The Last of Us? Remastered? Maybe. Uh, David, where can people find more of your work? You can find uh, my podcast, Battleship Pretension, and my podcast, Hey Watch This, which is the TV one, and a bunch of other podcasts at BattleshipPretension.com. That's also where you can find all the movie reviews that I write and other people write, including Get On Up and, uh, I don't know, Only Lovers Left Alive and The Giver, if you care to read that one. Um, and you can follow me on Twitter. So that's all at BattleshipPretension.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at The Pretension. Great. And you can, of course, find all the other episodes of Out Now, Theron Today on iTunes and at Stitcher, as well as at hhwlod.com. That is the podcast network that hosts our show, along with other shows, including the Walking Dead TV podcast, the Icapod Crane cast, which, of course, finds myself and friends of the show, Brandon and Maxwell, talking about new episodes of Sleepy Hollow, uh, starting up again soon, and other fun shows about comics and TV and fun stuff like that. You can find our episodes over at outnow.podomatic.com, as well as soundcloud.com slash outnowpodcast. Feel free to follow or to email us at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. Let us know your thoughts on The Giver, on um, the book that you read and maybe loved and maybe did not like the movie. So let us know. We want to know. I want to hear the other thoughts on I'm curious what the other thoughts on The Giver are out there. Interact with us over at facebook.com slash outnowpodcast or tweet at us at twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast. And, of course, outnowpodcast.tumblr.com. And feel free to use our voicemail line, 972-798-3830. Express yourself vocally. About the giver or whatever else Express you want to talk about. So. Exactly. That's what I was going for on that one. <laughs> too bad I'm not in the show on that song, though. Um, no. no, it's too bad. Uh, but yeah, with all that out of the way, David Bax, thank you very much for joining thank us you, on the podcast David. today. Thank you, thank for you, having... winner of the game. <laughs> yeah. Sort of, yeah. No, very happy to have you on. We'll be sure to have you back at some point. Maybe before Tyler, maybe not. Who knows? We'll <laughs> never, never know of this. Um, <laughs> but yeah, with all that out of the way, um, that's gonna do it. Sin City next week, so until next time, so long and goodbye. My name is Tony. I'm carrying the Thanks for all you shown us. This is how we feel. Come sit next to me, pour yourself some tea. Right.
week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we're talking... I've totally blinked on the movie. The Giver. You <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you ready? I'm guessing you were mm-hmm. just drinking something right then and there. I was actually swallowing a jujube, but that but it's close. <laughs> okay. All right. Ready. Okay. <clears throat> um, but yeah, Goldfinger. It has all this stuff I don't like that he essentially like the 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 pussy galore storyline. And I understand you have to like put on like your context goggles and watch it in the context of the time. But essentially, Pussy Galore is a potential mass murderer. And then James Bond rapes her, and then he <laughs> rapes her so awful. well. <laughs> he rapes her so well, apparently, that she becomes a good guy. Now I know, like, that's not what it's supposed to literally be, but the scene leading up to James Bond betting Pussy Galore, if made today, is a rape scene. <laughs> like, she keeps trying to leave, and then he. Keeps like he makes her go into this barn. She keeps trying to leave. He like keeps grabbing her by the arm and pulling her back in. And then they fight. And then he holds her wrist down on a bale of hay and then fade to black. <laughs> and then she's a good guy after that. It's really uncomfortable to me. And also, it's dumb that the bad guy essentially had apparently had contractors come in to install this like model of Fort Knox on like this pneumatic thing that would rise out of the floor just so he could explain to the gangsters what his plan is and then he immediately kills all the gangsters after he's explained what the plan is <laughs> it doesn't make any sense at all i feel like Oric goldfinger has actually made that model himself like that was one of his hobbies that he had and that did, <laughs> did he go under underneath his home and install that huge pneumatic like that dry like you know the, no, the... Odd, odd jobs <laughs> odd jobs handiwork he is actually a a, um, a home improvement oh. agent person that's that's his that's his past oh. So in, in Japan, he was a he was an engineer. Yes, right. right. Yeah, of course. That's why he. That's how he has that hat. He built that in the um, lab. Yeah. Although actually, the actor is Japanese, but I think the character is supposed to be Korean. I think there was a line of dialogue about that. Um, not important. 